Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Doing good. Just want to thank Justin Timberlake for the intro video. He was going to try to be here, but NSYNC is reuniting tonight at the VMAs. Did you know that? Any children of the 90s are very excited. Um, actually, it was heartbreaking at some point. Uh, there was a thing on Twitter where all this stuff was happening, and um, there were kids who said, I don't on Twitter, they're like, who is this NSYNC? I don't know who this NSYNC is. All of a sudden I realized I'm very old. Um, so anyway, JT couldn't make it tonight, but I'm glad you made it here. Um, if it's your first time here, um, we're stoked to have you. My name is Jesse, uh, the teaching pastor at Fathom, and we are happy to have you. Um, we are in the middle of a series called Names. Um, we've been looking at all the times that God changes names in Scripture, and, and, and names are a really they're just an important thing in our society. Um, I had this chance to go speak at a youth camp. Um, now it's been like two years, and um, I used to play drums there. And, um, and so they told me for the, for the youth camp that I was speaking at, they said, hey, you need a camp name. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, you need like a camp name, like something kind of wildernessy, maybe like something to do with an animal. And, and I was like, oh man, I really gotta, I've got to like think through this really well. And so I came up with all of these great names, like um, one had something, oh, Squirrel Beard was my, my name that I chose. And so um, they said, yeah, so just tell us what name you choose and we'll like approve it. And I was like, approve it? What do you mean? It's like, whatever. And so I told him, I emailed him, like, hey, my name's going to be Squirrel Beard. And um, they emailed back and they said, no, that's weird. You can't be Squirrel Beard. And I was like, what do you mean? And so I tried to do something with like a unicorn. And they're like, no, that's weird too. And I was like, um, oh, I, I tried to say Unicorn Goat. I thought that was also a good name. And they said, no, that's not a good name at all. And I was like, what do you mean? They were really serious about these names. And they said, well, what about Goat. And I was like, no, that's not exciting enough. Like, I need a better name than that. And I was like, what about Mountain Goat? And then we've, we settled on Mountain Goat. And they said, okay, that's fine. That'll be your camp name, Mountain Goat. And so I was like, okay, great. So I show up to this camp. I'm unloading my drums, and, and I'm uh, setting stuff up. And people are walking up to me, and they're like, hey, what's up? My name is Foxfire. What's your name? And I'd be like, oh, hey, my name's Jesse. And they'd just be like, oh, is that really your name? And I'd be like, oh, 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 my name's Mountain Goat. And they'd be like, oh, okay, good, good, good. And I'd meet somebody else, and they're like, hey, my name's Falcon Claw. And I'd be like, hey, what's up, I'm Jesse. And they'd look at me really strange. And they're like, and I was like, oh, Mountain Goat, I'm sorry, I forgot. And so I was kind of getting like into the, the world of the camp name thing. And so I was like, okay, I can't mess up anymore. Like, I care about what people think about me. Like, I can't mess this up anymore. You are Mountain Goat. You gotta get in the game. Your name is Mountain Goat. So they said, hey, Mountain Goat, you gotta go fill out some paperwork up at the offices. And I was like, okay, awesome. And so I go up to the offices and I walk in. And I'm just like, this is my chance. And I walk into the office and I see this guy and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? My name's Mountain Goat. And he goes, Oh, hey, man, my name's Brandon. And, like, I was so embarrassed at the time. But <laughs> I realized that names were so important at this camp. And so I was thus mountain goat after that, except for the guy Brandon, who was not involved in that world, just thought I was totally strange. Um, but we've been in a series, obviously, called Names. And um, 
We, we started this conversation a few weeks ago, and we've just been focusing in on the 14 times that God has changed people's names in Scripture. And, and really, we just focused in on a few stories, and we dove deep into some specific stories like Abraham and Sarah. And, and, and then last, the last week after that, we, we looked at Jacob and his transition into Israel. And then last week, we kind of moved into the New Testament, and we, we, we looked at the life of Peter, and we looked at the life of Peter and his special relationship with Jesus, and just what an interesting interaction that they had together and how, how Peter went through this process, and it was such a special relationship. E- even last week, I was trying to find a clip from some sort of like Bible movie or, or Jesus movie where we could kind of see the interaction, interaction between Jesus and Peter, and so I thought, oh man, what about that miniseries, the Bible? And so I looked up the clip, and I thought, oh, I could use this, and I was like, oh, I can't use this because there's something that happens in Bible movies where all of a sudden everyone has British accents. Like Jesus was like, hello, Peter. I'm Jesus, come follow me. And Peter's like, hello, Jesus. Isn't it strange that we're white men with British accents living in the first century? And so I thought, I can't use that video. That's, that's just not going to work. And so we kind of just talked about what a cool relationship they had and how Jesus was kind of like walking through this process with Peter and how he started in, in a small, seemingly really insignificant space. And, and, and Jesus saw something in Peter and said, hey, why don't you come and follow me? I've got, I've got something new for you, and I've got a new name for you, a new purpose for you. And so we got to see how that kind of unfolded. And so today we're kind of switching things up just a little bit. Um, we've been pretty inward focused over the last few weeks. We've been talking about our names, and, and we've been exploring the topic of significance and, and, and identity and, and purpose through our names. And um, really there's, there's this line of, of of a poem that I love, that that I want us to focus in on today, and I want it to be kind of like an underlying current as we go throughout this next story in Scripture. And and, and the line from the poem that I love is, if you can't see something beautiful about yourself, get a better mirror. And so really, if my sermon had a title today, it's Get a Better Mirror. And because when we look into a mirror... And we stand in front of a mirror, we, we all kind of see something different, you know? Like, we, we all see different things. I mean, obviously more than, like, we are different. But, but sometimes when we look in the mirror, we, we, see, we see reality. We, we see ourselves. But, but sometimes we, we, we have distortions of reality, and we see a lot of different things. When we look in the mirror, we, we, you know, we, we, we may see somebody that we hate. We, we may see regrets. We may see pride. We, we, we see a lot of different things when we look into mirror, and oftentimes when we look into the mirror, we, we ask this really important question, and this question that we've kind of been asking for the past three weeks, who am I? Who am I? And, and throughout this whole series, we've, we've been asking the question, who are we? What's our identity? What's our purpose? What are we doing here? What are our, our names? And, and, and we're going to still be asking the question, who are we today? But, but we're going to kind of, we're going to shift ourselves out of question askers. We're going to kind of shift into more question answerers. Does that make sense? We're, we're not so much going to be asking, who am I or, or who are we? But today we're going to begin to kind of answer that question. And, and we'll still be asking that question throughout this, this, this conversation for sure. But we're going we're gonna to shift a little bit, and we're going to become answerers rather than questioners. And so not only will we be asking the question of who are we, but we will be answering the question, who, who am I? 
we'll, we'll answer that. And, and, and not only for ourselves, but, but for our neighbors. Because you may be holding the answer to that question for the person sitting next to you. Or you may be holding that, the answer to that question for, for someone you're going to interact with later today. Maybe, maybe during lunch you're going you're gonna to interact with somebody and you may have the answer to their question of who am I? And you see, out of, out of the 14 times that God changes names in Scripture, we're, we're, we're kind of going to depart from that. Today is the person we're going to study is not one of those 14 times. This story is a, is, is a little bit different because this name change doesn't necessarily come from God, but it comes rather out of the people of God. You see, his name change comes out of the community that he's in. The community saw a change in this person, and they, and they reflected what God was seeing, and they gave him a new name. You, you, you see, the, the community gave him a new name, affirming his new identity and, and affirming his purpose. And, and, and this, I believe, is to be one of the main purposes of the church, but I think it's one that we've, we've, kind, of, we've kind of left behind in some ways. So we're going to be in Acts 4 today, uh, starting at verse 32. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn there, but also they'll be up on the screen for us too. So we're in Acts 4, verse 32. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. This is, this is describing the church. So don't be alarmed when you realize that um, the church today really looks very little like this. So, um, or maybe we should be alarmed, but just this is describing the church. And it says this, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from the time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You guys pray with me? Father, we just, um, we thank you that, that you're present here with us. We ask that you would help us be aware of your presence, that you would strip away all of the distractions and all of the things that we bring into this room today. Slow our hearts down and slow our minds down so that we can just experience you and we can experience your scripture. And today as we, we deal with name changes and, and, and our identity and questions like who are we, if you would just be present with us today because that's a hard question. So we love you and we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word today. In the strong name of Jesus we pray. Um, this, is, this is such a crazy scripture because it's describing the church and, it, and it's saying that they were one in heart and that they were one in mind and that they didn't really have their own possessions but they were pooling everything together and that there was no one in need in their community. And this is how scripture describes the church. And, and it's, it is distressing when you look at the early church in Acts and the model that the church set up and then you look at the church today because there are very, very big differences between the two. And, and you read something like this and you think, oh gosh, is that just some weird commune or, or cult or something like that? This is just how the church functioned. This is what Jesus set up and this is what the disciples are leading. 
And, and so we see this guy named Barnabas. And so last week we dove really deep into Peter's story, but today we're going to take more of kind of a shallow look at Barnabas. We're going to just kind of stay at the surface level, and we're going to learn a little bit about Barnabas. But for our purpose today, I'm really interested in, in, in one phrase coming out of the Scripture. And that phrase is, whom the apostles called. Whom the apostles called. And so, what do we know about this guy named Barnabas? Like, what can we learn from the scripture? Originally, his name was Joseph. I mean, this is a good biblical name coming out. So his name is Joseph, but, but he experienced something. You see, this Joseph, he came in contact with something that radically changed his life. Like, he experienced something that means he would never be the same. He came in contact with Jesus. And he had such an experience that he sold all of his possessions. He sold, every, he sold a field, he sold everything he had, and he gave the money to the church in Jerusalem. Because he was changed. He had experienced something so big that he said, I can no longer live the kind of life that I was living. That my possessions, they don't, they don't mean so much anymore to me because there's something in my life that means a lot more than just a piece of land. And so he was changed and he experienced something how many you know you've got to experience something pretty huge to, to sell everything you have and, and to give it to some people, right? Like, I mean, like we read that in Scripture and we hear that, but, but think about that. You would have to experience something really large in your life to just sell everything you had and just totally embrace a new identity. And, but this is what Barnabas does. It's what Joseph does. And so... So what they do is, is, is they, they affirm this change. They've, they've seen something in this man. They've seen something in Joseph change. And so, so the community gathers around him. And they say, hey, you're no longer going to be Joseph. You're going to be Barnabas. We're giving you a new name, a name that means son of encouragement. And let me tell you, I totally understand this because if someone in here were to go and sell their house, and then come to church and give us all the money, you would totally encourage your pastor's heart. Like, I would be really stoked about that. So it makes complete sense to me that they, they would say, yeah, you are a huge encouragement because you just sold everything you had and gave it to us. And so they saw something in Joseph that they wanted to change his name. They wanted to, they wanted to have a physical representation of the change that he's experienced. And so they follow the pattern of God that he, as he works through old, the Old Testament and he changes people's names and he calls them into new identities, into new purposes. And then they see Jesus doing it. Jesus renaming the disciples like Peter and, and, and giving him a new identity. So they, they're continuing this process where they see somebody and they see something inside of them that maybe the person themselves can't see. And they say, hey, we see something in you, and we're going to give you a new name because God is working in you. God is moving in you, and he is doing something new. So you need a new name. And then we learn throughout the book of Acts and Scripture that, that Barnabas, he has, a, he has a really amazing story. All throughout the book of Acts, he is one of the leaders of the church. He becomes one of the most well-known leaders in the early church. He's one of the first teachers of the gospel in Antioch, which is a big deal. Uh, Barnabas brings Paul. Um, Paul is the guy who was killing tons of Christians, and his name was Saul, and, and he had a name change too. And, and he was persecuting Christians. His goal in life was to wipe out Christianity. But Saul had an experience too. 
and, and, and his name was changed. And so Barnabas is the guy who brings Paul to the apostles. And he says, look at the conversion that he's experienced. So Barnabas is, he's, he's rising up in the church. He's becoming a big leader. And, and not only did he bring Paul to the apostles, but, but he begins to labor and travel all over the world with Paul. Like he becomes one of the greatest evangelists that we know. He became a great leader. He started as this guy, Joseph, and we don't really get to, we don't get to see the process. We don't really get to know where, where Joseph was, and, and, and we don't really get to see all of the steps that he took and, and how he came in contact with Jesus and, and how that change happened. We don't, we, don't get, we don't get that window. But something amazing happened where, where this guy who, his name was Joseph, and, and, and he was just living a regular life, but then he, he experienced Something, or, or maybe better said, someone. He experiences Jesus, and he realizes, I can't live the way that I was living. And the beautiful thing about this, this story, and, and it's, it's, it's no less amazing, just because God didn't change his name, and, and the community of that the apostles changed his name, it doesn't make it any less amazing. In fact, I think it's even more beautiful, because Joseph, he enters into this community, this new group of people that, that are striving to follow this guy named Jesus. And, and, and Joseph's experienced something, and he's changed, and he's taking these huge steps, and, and the community affirms him. They say, hey, we see what God is doing in your life, and we want to affirm that. We want to reflect how God sees you. No matter what you see when you look in the mirror, we want to tell you what we see. We want to tell you what we see God doing in your life, and you are an encouragement. You are going to be a leader in this community, and we are giving you a new name so that you can know that you are a new creation. So they reflect to Barnabas what God is seeing and what God is doing. And so my first point today that I I want you to grab a hold of is, is whether you know it or not, you are a mirror. You are a mirror. You see, we are reflections. We reflect things. We communicate something to everyone we interact with. You're always communicating something. Even when you're not speaking, you're always communicating. And, and the truth that, that we're a mirror, that when we interact with people and we reflect things to them and we communicate things to them, the, the truth is that we have a choice of what we reflect. We, we, we have a choice of what we put out, what we communicate you see, everyone we come in contact with, they're all asking the same question. The same question we've been asking for the last three weeks is, who am I? And, and our culture is throwing answers at them left and right. They're saying, this is who you are. This is who you should want to be. You should want to look like this. You want to do like this. This is the standard for success. This is the standard for what you should be. And so there's all these answers being thrown out at everybody in our culture who's asking the question, who am I? Who am I? And there are people walking all over the place. Everyone we interact with. Somewhere deep down, they're asking that question and they're desperate for a legitimate, real answer. And I believe you guys hold that answer. Because ultimately, people just, we don't really know who we are. It's, it's something we struggle with and we question. And, and I believe that God has placed us where he has placed us so that we could reflect him. So that we could reflect to people what God sees. 
Does that make sense? When, when we interact with people, we need to be a people that say, hey, this is how God views you. And in how I treat you and how I interact with you, I want it to communicate that you are a beloved son and daughter of God. No matter what you've experienced, no matter what names have been put on you, I'm telling you that this is who you are. And this is what I see because I'm trying to view you through the eyes of the Father who loves you so much. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you on a Roman cross so that you could know me. And and that's kind of a big deal. I mean, if you're just in the checkout line, like how are you supposed to reflect the gospel like in, in, you know, a 30-second interaction? Maybe that's not a possibility in that moment, but but maybe just slowing down and, and saying, hey, how are you today? How's your day going? You know, people, we're just in such, a, in such a hurry. We're in such a hurry that we don't even slow down to see people. We don't even slow down to realize that we are interacting with a human, somebody with a soul, somebody that God absolutely loves, somebody that God is so in love with that he would send his most precious thing, his son, to, to a messed up, broken world. Like, we've got to begin to view people in that light. We've got to begin to be a mirror so that when people look at us and they interact with us, that we begin to reflect how God sees them. That is what God has called us to do. That is the, that's the purpose of the church, is to reflect how God views the world. And, and it seems like a small thing, you know, like, just affirming somebody or, or, or affirming a gift in somebody or saying like, hey, you know, you're really good at something. You know, you're, you're really good at that. It's these small words of encouragement, just like maybe Barnabas would do. He's a son of encouragement that we would begin to encourage people and we would begin to see gifts and we would begin to see things and we would look a little bit deeper and we would say, hey, this is how God sees you. I see God working in you. I see God doing this in you. I see God using this in you. Just simple statements like that can literally change the world. Um, I, I heard this story by uh, Don Miller. He's, he's, a, he's a writer. One of his famous books, Blue Like Jazz, was made into a movie. Um, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite writers, easily. Uh, when he was a kid, he, um, his, his, his dad wasn't really around. He was kind of an absent father. And so his mom was raising him, and, and he was just he was kind of lost. You know, He just didn't really know what he was doing with his life, and, and he was going to this church, and, and his youth pastor said, hey, Don, I was wondering if maybe you could, um, if, if, if you'd be willing to write an article for the, the church newsletter, and, and Don was like, oh, for real? Yeah, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely do that, and so, so, so Don went home, and he, and he worked really hard on this article for the church newsletter, and so they, they put it in the, in the newsletter, and, and then, then his youth pastor, after he said, Don, I feel like you're a really gifted writer. I feel like you should work on that because that was really good. Would you mind writing another article for me? And so Don, you know, he's, he's, he's desperate for some, some fatherly affection and he, and he takes those words and he just eats them up. He eats them up and he just, he just takes a hold of them. He said, he said I was a good writer. Okay, maybe I'm not a loser. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not all of these things that I've been, I've been believing. Maybe I am good at something. And so that simple affirmation from that youth pastor that said, hey, Don, you're a good writer, it launched something in Donald Miller 
that it's like the butterfly effect. Like we'll never really see how many people that that simple statement from that youth pastor affected. That book, Blue Like Jazz, is the reason I'm a pastor. And for half of my friends in ministry, that book changed our lives. Opening those pages and reading his words about how, hey, maybe there's a different way to do this thing called faith. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe there's a different way. And we just grabbed a hold of that, and it changed my life. And so there was this effect where this youth pastor said, hey, Don, you're a good writer. Don said, oh, maybe I'm a good writer. And he begins to work on that gifting. And then he begins to release books out into culture that is literally changing people's lives. And I'm a product of that. I mean, it's, it's a simple statement, but it creates this effect that maybe we could change the world by just simply reflecting affirmation, encouragement, by giving somebody a new name. The same thing happened for me that I've told this story before. I, I really shouldn't be up here preaching to you. I, I grew up with a, with a speech impediment, and I, I, I could hardly talk. I would, I would struggle to say my name. People would say, hey, what's your name? I'd be like, and I couldn't even say my name. And oftentimes I would just walk away really embarrassed and I'd be very confused. And, and so the fact that I'm standing up here today, it's, it was a process of people saying, hey, Jesse, I see something in you. I see a gift in you. I feel like maybe you would be good at this. And they begin to speak over the lies that I had believed my entire life that said there's no way you could be a pastor because you can't speak in front of people. But people came into my life and they saw something in me and they took that chance to say, hey, I think you're good at this. I, I, I had a, a teacher in college and it was my first preaching class and I was terrified. I was terrified to stand up and speak in front of people and preach and then I was going to get a grade on it. Like, like today at the end, like if you guys didn't like it, you're still going to smile and shake my hand. But in that experience, if I did bad, he was just going to be like, F. And so I was terrified but, but Dr. Doffy, he said, Jesse, how many times have you done this before? And I was like, oh, th- this was my first time. And he goes, what? He goes, you're so good. This is definitely a gifting of yours. And I was just like Don with the youth pastor. I ate that up. Because for so long, I believed that this is something I could not do. But God placed people in my life to reflect to me how he saw me and the purpose that he was calling me into. And you guys have that power. You have that power to be the better mirror. If you can't see something beautiful about yourself, you need to get a better mirror. Maybe you are that person's better mirror. Maybe you have been placed where you've been placed to tell people that God is doing something in them and that God has a purpose for them and God has a new name for them. Maybe you are the better mirror. But the truth is that you'll never be able to reflect what God sees. You'll never be able to be that better mirror until, until you get a better mirror. Like, you're never going to be able to really accurately answer that question for other people of who am I until you have an answer for yourself. And that's one of the hardest questions we'll ever face as humans. And and as we're growing up, you're asked, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? 
And it's, it's, it's this thing that it follows us all throughout our life. It doesn't matter how young we are or how old we are. We all want to know, why am I here? What's my purpose? What's my identity? It follows us everywhere we go. And, and like I said earlier, the culture is throwing so many answers at us. And they want us to believe so many different things about the kind of person we should be. But I believe that God has something very clear to speak to you to that answer. So many of you have been using such a messed up mirror for so long that, that, that everything you see in the mirror, is, it's become your reality. And so the truth is, a lot of times when you look at a mirror, you, you just see a lot of messed up stuff. You know, you see that you're ugly, or you see that you're stupid, or maybe you've been told that, or maybe, maybe what, what else do you, you know, you're dumb, you know, you're not worthy. And so you look at the mirror and all this, this, it just becomes this distorted view because you've believed so many of the things that you've heard about who you are that you can't see clearly what God's created. And so what God comes in and he does and he says, hey, you've been, you've been, you've been believing a lot, of, a lot of false things. You've been believing a lot of false things about yourself and, and, and really, honestly, you've been You've been thinking very little about yourself, and, but, but he kind of comes into the story and he says, you know, what you see when you look in the mirror is, is very different than, than what I see. All of these things that have been placed on you, whether it's been family members or just, just awful people that you've come in contact with, there's this saying that hurt people hurt people, and it's, it couldn't be more true, um, just interact with, with a group of kids, innocent, sweet kids, and all of a sudden you'll hear things come out of their mouth said to another kid that will just shock you. And you're like, where did that come from? Like, how does that happen? It's, it's this brokenness that's kind of rooted inside of us that, that, that we're, we're broken and we're hurting, and, and oftentimes we, we, we hurt people. And we, we say a lot of really negative things. And I've, I know we've, we've all said something to somebody that as soon as it's leaving your mouth, you're just like, I wish I could take that back. Why did I say that? Why was I, why was I that cruel to that person? And, and if we're honest, we, we've all been there and we've all been on the other side where we've, we've heard those things said to us. We've heard those insults. And there's that old saying that says, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but, but words will never hurt me. What a, what a load of junk that is. That is not true at all. I'd rather get hit in the punch in the face than someone call me and be mean to me, you know? It's just not true. When we've heard those things, when people have spoken lies to us and, and said, hey, you're a piece of junk. Hey, you're not worthy. And they've said all these things to us. We can pretend that it doesn't affect us, but the truth is that it does. Something happens. Those words find their way into our soul. They, they, they find their way into our, into our consciousness so that eventually if you hear something enough, you'll start to believe it about yourself. And, and when you look in the mirror, you, you kind of see a distorted image. You, you see an image that, that isn't necessarily the real image that, that God has made you. Um, there's this thing called the Imago Dei. That, and it's the idea that when God created us, he created us in his image that we are image bearers of God, that when he created Adam and Eve and he said, you are like me, you bear my image, and we are exactly the same. We bear the image of God. 
no matter what you look like, no matter what color hair you have or whether you have hair or you have too much hair growing in weird places. It doesn't matter. You are an image bearer of God. And so when you look in the mirror and you see all of these things that, that are lies, God says, hey, no, no, no. Let me show you what I see. And he, and he, takes, he takes something like this and he just, begins to, he just begins to clear the mirror up. And he says, hey, let me show you what I see. Let me, let me clear some of this stuff away. And he says, why don't you look again? Why don't you, why don't you look one more time? But this time, look at yourself with the knowledge that you bear my image. And so we've been in this, this thing called names. And we've been talking about names. We've been talking about all of the names that, that, that culture puts on us and, and all the lies that, that we believe. But, but God comes in and he says, hey, let me tell you something. All of the stuff that, that this world says matters, all of these you know, like these things of hierarchy and, and things that mean success and, 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 and you got to look this way. You have to look like, you know, the people in the magazines or you have to, you know, have this kind of money or drive this kind of car and, and, and all those things, they will give you identity. God comes in and says, really none of that stuff matters at all. He says, let me tell you who you are. Let me define you. Let me give you a new name. And those names are very simple. They're very simple names. And we, I slam it over and over and over again. But the names that God wants you to embrace more than anything is son and daughter. Son and daughter. Like in the ancient world, your name meant everything. You said, I am son of so-and-so because it told the person that you were interacting with who you were. And so today, God is saying, You belong to me. I define you. I give you a new name. I am your purpose. And today your name is son and daughter. And so if you don't see something beautiful about yourself, you need to get a better mirror. And my encouragement today to you is let God be your mirror. Begin to view yourself through the eyes of God. Begin to view yourself through the eyes of Jesus. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do at all. It's something that you'll have to work at. It's something that you'll have to work really hard at. Sometimes you're going to have to preach the gospel to yourself. Sometimes you're going to have to remind yourself that you are beloved. That you are sons and daughters of God. There's the story that when Jesus gets baptized... When he, when he sees John the Baptist and he says, John, I, I want you to baptize me. And John says, Jesus, I'm not worthy. You should be baptizing me. And, and Jesus says, no, no, you have to baptize me, John. This is how it has to go. And so John's obedient. And he says, okay, Jesus, I'll do that. And there's this beautiful thing that happens. P.S., we're going to be doing baptisms in two weeks. And there's, there's nothing more redefining than the idea that, that your old self is dead and that Christ has made you into something new. So if, if you haven't been baptized and you're interested, in two weeks from now we're going to be doing this. And we would love to be a community that helps rename you. So that's just a small commercial. 
So Jesus, he's about to be baptized, and that's why we do it. We follow his, we follow his lead. And so John baptizes Jesus, and something amazing happens. The heavens break open, and a dove comes down. The Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus, and a voice comes out of heaven and says, This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am pleased. And so there's this affirmation from the Father that says, This is my son. This is the one I sent to take care of all the messed up brokenness. He's going to put this broken world back together. Listen to him. Follow him. And the beautiful thing about that story is that it's a father affirming his son. And you say, but that's Jesus. It's not me. You don't, you don't know what I see when I look in the mirror. You don't know what regrets I have. You don't know what's been done to me. You don't know what I've been called. But the truth is that though we were yet sinners... Though we were broken and messed up people. Romans 5.8 says it's the best. It says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we owed a debt that we could not pay. The wrath of God was burning against our sin and we were just left hopeless But Jesus came and he took that wrath. He died on the cross for us so that when God views us, he no longer sees messed up, broken people. He now sees his son. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you and all your mistakes. He sees Jesus and he sees the blood of Jesus. And he says the exact same thing that he said to Jesus when he was baptized. He says, that is my beloved son. That is my beloved daughter, and I am well pleased with you. So when you look into the mirror, you have got to begin to see that. And it'll be one of the hardest things you ever do, but you have to preach the gospel to yourself every morning, every afternoon, every night, over and over and over again, that you are a beloved son and daughter of God. And no matter how many mistakes you made that day, God is pleased with you. There's no more wrath. There's no more wrath to be poured out. God is not angry at you anymore. He is not angry at you. He just loves you and he wants you to come and be a part of his family. So that's the first step is you have to get a better mirror and then you can't just stay silent about it. You got to go out and you got to start telling people. You got to start telling people, hey, somebody loves you so much, so much that they gave everything for you. The church, we've got to be that better mirror. We've got to be that better mirror that begins to wipe away all of the junk that people believe about themselves and say, hey, no, 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 no. God sees something very different. And so today we're going to come to the table for communion like we do every week. But today, as you come to the table and you take some bread and and, and you dip it in in the juice, when, when you do that, my prayer for you is that you will hear in your heart and in your mind You are my daughter. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. And the truth is, you you probably, you're you're not going to hear anything audibly. 
Maybe you will. That'd be amazing. But when you come to this table, maybe, maybe say that to yourself. I, I am, I'm a beloved daughter. I'm a beloved son. And God is pleased with me. God is pleased with me. That, that's it's kind of a weird thing to say. It's kind of a hard thing to say. But it's true. God's so pleased with you. And he loves you so much. There's no more wrath. It's only love. I hope you believe that today. I struggle to believe it every day. But I hope you believe it. Let's pray. Father, we need better mirrors. We ask today, Jesus, that you would be our mirror. That when we look at ourselves and we ask the question, who am I? What is my name? That we would see you. That somehow we would see you and we would know that you are the most beloved, precious thing of the fathers. And now when he looks at us, he sees you and he associates us with you because of your cross. While we were dead in our sins, You invaded this world with your great love and you made a way so that we could know you. Help us to believe that today and help us not to just stay quiet. May we be a church that goes out and just screams that this world is love, that we would be people who walk around with banners high, not of judgment or of hate, but we would raise high banners that say Jesus is love. And that you are loved. May that be the truth. And so may we be defined by your name, the name above all names, Jesus, Jesus Christ. That would be our name. That would be what defines us. That would be where we find our identity. So may we be a community, just like the early church in Acts, that when we see something in somebody, that we wouldn't be afraid to say it, but we would affirm them and say, hey, God's doing something in you. God's moving in you. Run with that. Run with that. You son, you daughter, you beloved human being. Go forward. May we be a church that does that. Everywhere we go, in the grocery line, in our cubicles. May we be people who shine you and be better mirrors to this world. In the strong name of Christ we pray.